Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. The Last Kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash, puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I am Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of comic books that have come out this very Wednesday. We sure do. We do reviews of them, Pete. We tell people whether they're good or not so good. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, we like to use a patented scale of, I like that. Oh, is that our patented scale? Yeah, we're like the Siskel and Ebert of people saying, yeah, that was all right. Uh, I don't know about that. Oh, hmm. What, what do you like to say? What's your patented scale, Pete? I like to say uh, we give honest opinions about how we feel about a book. Oh, that's that's way less complicated than my thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let's jump into it. We have a bit of a shorter stack of pancakes today. We also should apologize for the echoiness. Um, we got kicked out of our normal studio, so we decided to... The echo would be better than not doing anything. Right. So uh, we found a canyon that was nearby the space we're usually at, and we're at the bottom of the canyon. There's some sort of, it looks like a coyote is dropping towards us. I'm not 100% sure, but we're hoping to finish the podcast before the coyote hits the bottom and uh, puffs up a big cloud of dust. Uh, before he heads off on his next mission. So let's jump into it. Spider-Man Life Story, number one from Marvel Comics. Now, the idea of this book by Chip Zdarsky, in case Uh you haven't picked it up, uh, the first issue, by the way, the art is by Mark Bagley, is what if Spider-Man aged in real time? So this takes place four years since he became Spider-Man. takes place in the late 1960s, uh, right in the height of the Vietnam War. And it ties into that. It ties into societal issues while still giving you a classic Spider-Man adventure. Um, What did you think about this book, Pete? Well, the time stuff was very interesting. It was cool to see kind of like that whole like Flash Thompson kind of like going... Uh, you know, volunteering to kind of go in that moment where he was kind of like, um, you know, it's what Spider-Man would do was fun. You know, I like the fun backdrop, but the problem is we've seen this all and just changing the time period doesn't get me that hyped up about where I'm like, oh, this is amazing. You know what I mean? It still is like 
feels uh, like something we've seen before, uh, just with little tweaks on it. So I wasn't blown away. I thought the art was amazing. I thought there was great moments. But overall, it wasn't like, holy shit, this is amazing. My feeling on it, I like this issue just fine. I think it's a good, solid issue. But I think it's going to work better cumulatively, where we start to see, as Spider-Man gets older and older, the next issue takes place a couple of years down the road uh, and then the next issue and the next issue after that. So once we get a sense of the story that Zdarsky and company are telling across the series, it feels like it's going to make more sense. You know, it's like watching the first 10 minutes of a biopic and being like, well, that didn't tell me the story of all this Presley. It was just him growing up in Memphis. What's going on? Well, yeah, I mean... No, I'm not yelling at you. I'm saying that was my feeling while I was watching it. Okay. That I, not watching it, reading it. Where it's Mark Bagley, classic Spider-Man architect, Chip Zdarsky, doing a good job. It reminded me a bit of Archie 1941, Ooh, which also threw yeah. Archie back into the middle of their World War II here. Spider-Man dealing with the Vietnam War and what it means to be a hero in such a complicated time yeah. also sets up some fun stuff at the end with Captain America and Iron Man, surprisingly. Yeah, that was really interesting. Uh, yeah, also, uh, but man, the Osborns, like, always so creepy. And it just, it always weirds me out to see Peter Parker friends with somebody whose dad is always clearly a villain. Sure. You never, you were never friends with anybody whose dad was a villain. No, no, oh. I wasn't. My friend uh, Josh, growing up, his dad, <laughs> bad guy. Oh man, I'm sorry. Real bad guy. No, that's not true at all. Okay. All right, let's move on to the next book from DC Comics Justice League number twenty. Boy. Lots of stuff going on in this oh, book, I'll man. tell you what. Yeah. Um, I know uh, you've been a little mixed about this run, right? Mm-hmm. How did you feel about this one? This was uh, very interesting um, and very kind of cool setup. I like the kind of introduction, uh, the way uh, we kind of got to see the different parts of this new Justice League or, you know, this all time. Before you get too into it, actually, let, yeah. let me give a little bit of the setup. So uh, the Justice League is trying to figure out what is going on with the slow death of the multiverse. In order to do that, they send Superman into this other dimension. We, the readers, know that Superman went to a different place uh, powered by Mr. Misoplisix. Um, but uh, the Justice League don't know that. They're brought by what they think at this point is a future Superman to see the future Justice League, where they made everything into a utopia, but of course, some dark things are going on below the surface. Yeah, and uh, uh, I, I really, I kind of like the way we kind of were like, hey, you know, and everybody was kind of into it. Then there's some relationships that were kind of revealed, which was interesting, and then the classic little kid kind of being like, oh, it's not all what you see. <laughs> Run for your lives. Yeah, you know, I, I, classic. I like. I it. like this arc. Uh, this uh, comic has been so heady so far. There's been so much going on, but this one has an intriguing mystery. It does seem straightforward, a little more straightforward in the storytelling, which is nice, even though it's still dealing with some big ideas. And I'm excited to see how it all turns out. I also like the Batman moment where he was like, "It's so bright here. I can't." I don't <laughs> like it. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. All right. Moving on to an image comic book, Lazarus Risen Number One. This book is not come out for a good long while if you haven't picked it up it's by michael lark and greg rucka and the idea of the book it takes place in the future uh when corp 
corporations have taken over the world. They're all fighting for control, and each one has a being called a Lazarus, who essentially is a fast-healing clone who is part of their family. Uh, and this is following Lazarus, uh, Lazarus, excuse me, uh, following, wait, What's, what's her name? For uh, Forever. Forever. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, following Forever, our main character, she has recently gained self-consciousness, essentially. Uh, she knows who she is. She is in charge of herself, but still fighting for her family. There's still a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. But this is a mega-sized issue picking up on the story. Yeah, it's a lot. There's a ton of recap beforehand to get you caught up if you want to. Uh, this is great as usual, I thought. How about you, Pete? Yeah, I really like uh, the action. You can kind of follow what's happening, even though it's kind of all over the place a little bit. Um but yeah, I think it's a, it's a great story. Also, it's just always heartbreaking when somebody wants something and, you know, the other person's like, "Give me more time." It's like 2 years is plenty of fucking time. <laughs> you know, like uh, at that point, I w- I was kind of like uh, rooting for her to like lose her shit a little bit. I get what you're saying, but the setup here is that Forever and her sister Forever and there are more clones of Forever was one of the big twists that we found out recently in the comic book. Forever knows that now. She wants to meet her other clone. Uh, her sister is saying, please, I'm going to let you do that. What I got through the conversation, which I thought was very good, was on the surface, if they had one back and forth there, I would have been on your side about this. I would have felt like, come on, just get her to yeah. this clone already. But I believed the sister. And I believed her because of the way that Rucka structured the conversation. There was enough back and forth that it seemed like there was legitimate reasons to keep pushing this off. I, I agree. But also, like, two years is a long fucking time to be patient. Uh, well, get ready, because I'm going to argue about this for two years. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely pick this up. Moving on to a Boom Studios book, Firefly Bad Company number one. This is a one-shot spinning off of the new Firefly series, focusing on Thief Saffron, who might, some people might remember from one of the fan-favorite episodes of the series, played on the series by Christina Hendricks. Uh, here, we get to see her life story, and then it uh, weaves its way into the main Firefly series by Greg Pak. This is by a different writer, different artist team. Um, I don't. You were not a fan of Firefly. You didn't really watch Firefly, right? Uh, yeah, it was one of those things where I, I kind of just missed it, and now everybody talks about it with such reverence that I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to, you know, like watch it because if, if I don't like it, I feel like people will be mad at mm, me. Interesting. So, what did you think about this comic book then? Uh, well, I've liked a lot of different iterations of this. Uh, this we kind of focus on one character. And it, it's a lot uh, on one character. So if you don't like this character, you're kind of like, wow, man, I got to sit through this for a lot. <laughs> so uh, how did you feel as a reviewer, Pete? Yeah, well, I'm getting to that. Okay, I'm setting Great. it yeah, up. A wind little. it up a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like parts of it. Other parts of it, I was like, I get it. Okay. You know, uh, I wasn't completely blown away by it. I didn't hate it by any means. Uh, I thought it was very interesting and very cool. And the art's amazing. But uh, I wasn't like, holy shit. (laughs) Uh, As a fan of the series, uh, first of all, I'll say, and I mean this in the best way, Firefly takes a little while to get going. It worked much better when Fox wasn't messing up the broadcast order. So I definitely recommend go back and take a look because... 
the way it was supposed to be broadcast, it flows very well, but it still takes a little while to get its foot, uh, feet, feet, figure out what it is. And it isn't about till halfway through the season. And I believe there's only 13 episodes, so it's easily digestible uh, that it really figures out what it is. It becomes great. Um, but this one, this comic was good. Uh, I mean, to your point, it's interesting to find out more about the companions, something that has been pretty much ignored or not delved into very deeply and is certainly one of the more problematic episode uh, parts of the Firefly universe. Um, I liked it at the end. I liked how yeah. it hooked into the main story. I think that's fun. I hope we see more of Saffron, which I think would be great. But now let me ask you, the whole time were you reading it, were you having the song Bad Company just playing in your head? No, absolutely not. Oh, sorry. Bro. Weird. Moving on to another Image Comics book, Criminal Number 3. This is continuing the story from the last issue about a comic book mystery where some art has been stolen. There's an old-timey, old-timer artist who is taking his old inker along you, with him for a crime. Why are you so focused on his age? Why does like it matter? Like, he's fucking old, man. Dude. Listen, man. Take it easy. I, I'm in my prime. You ageist. I'm, I'm in my youth. Oh, you are and not. I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, I just am never going to grow old, man. I'm never going to grow old. Yeah, you are old. No. We're both old. No. Yep. No, don't say that. <laughs> You're I'm losing your teeth. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's too bad Justin isn't here because he loves this book. Uh, he always goes to bat for this stuff. Uh, I, I think the writing and the... Uh, the art are amazing. It's worth it alone for that. Um, it's it's tough because the the older gentleman uh, is <laughs> is kind of uh, we we get a sense in this issue that he's not maybe not as with it as we think. So kind of like the main character, uh, we get a nice reveal at the end of this issue where the main character kind of finds the stuff that the guy has been searching for, um, and. What's great is in this issue, and the, even the main character kind of calls this out, that uh, this guy is not as much of a dick as he is portrayed earlier. Yeah, most of this book is about character work, and it is delving into these criminal stories, but not in a sensationalist way. Um, this one ends very quietly, which yep. I thought was really interesting. Uh, it's not what you expect going into the issue. It's not what the first half of the issue is like. Uh, but as you mentioned, there's very good stories throughout. Uh, Ed Brubaker talks a little bit about his inspiration because it does play place in a comic book world. And he's very careful to say all of the characters are an amalgamation of a bunch of different characters. So don't read into it too much um, with some exceptions. Um, but it's great. I'm a total sucker for inside baseball comic book stuff. I loved mixing in the criminal elements. Also a real good book. Uh, Fred Van Lente's, uh what is it? Comic Con. Uh uh, the big con, the big yeah. Uh, can we the not remember Lebowski? this again? No, uh, but he wrote an amazing book, not a comic or a graphic novel, but actually a book uh, that is really fantastic. That kid, this yeah, keeps it's a book with words and everything. Yeah, definitely pick that up. Uh, moving on to another DC comic book, Batman number sixty-seven. We're still in this nightmare arc where Batman is trapped. Somewhere he doesn't know how in something, and this issue he's fighting uh, almost an a masked old, man. Yeah, well, an old timey version of himself, like an right. original masked man, guy with a gun type thing. Uh, this is mostly an art showcase in this issue. Yeah, there's no, there's not much dialogue at all, if any. Yeah, but so good, so amazing. It's beautiful. It is just such a simple, amazing thing. 
And I don't know about you, but the whole time they're kind of doing this Roadrunner bit. It's like beep, beep, where to me it's saying meep, meep. He's doing like the Roadrunner thing where Batman's chasing, you know, so it's like Wiley e. Coyote chasing the Roadrunner throughout this whole oh, comic. Yeah. Sorry, that's the Coyote that's uh, about to hit us on the head. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. I forgot. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just thought that that was such a kind of a cool thing, but it was just so awesome to have such a quiet kind of more simpler take on some stuff, you know, every once in a while. It's a nice kind of uh, refreshing uh, uh, kind of thing to do. Plus, Batman is drawn a little bit more old-time in this as well. It's not just the villain that he's chasing. And uh, I, I love the underwater stuff. It's it's an amazing. I mean, Batman, I, I'm really impressed with how well DC has been keeping Batman so great for all these years, and it's really impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, yeah, I also thought this issue was great. I have no idea what's going on in this arc. I assume <laughs> we'll figure it out at the end here. But even as a one-shot issue, definitely worth picking up. Yeah. Did you did you think that beep-beep thing was... Uh, no, I didn't pick up on that. Okay, interesting. Uh, are you sure your smoke alarm wasn't going off? No, that's one of the things that was a running thing. You just kept going beep-beep. Do you think maybe that's a heart monitor and Batman is dying? Oh, fuck you. <laughs> you fucking dick. Ooh, just throwing that out there. Last one we're going to talk about from Marvel Comics, Thor number 11. This is the last issue of Thor before the War of the Realms. The thing that Jerry Aaron has been building up to for years at this point finally kicks off. Malekith is going to attack Earth. With all of his forces, he's taken out every single other part of the seven, eight realms, I guess now, something like that. Uh, and this issue, beyond Thor, who's dealing with some hammer issues, <laughs> we check in with all of the other characters, uh, from Loki to Volstag and even oh, old Thor, Vol- which is very interesting. Uh, so lots of stuff started to come together here. As usual, this issue was great. Okay. Yeah, you want to start? You, you want to start there? I I really like this issue. Uh, we get a lot of mom's perspective on Thor, which I thought was really touching and qu- quite beautiful. Uh, and they're like flying through space together, and like it's it's just so magical and awesome. I mean, there was one part where I was like, mm, I think you're going a little too far. Where mom was like talking about his heart and how he's like the strongest of all time and I wanted to stop her and be Aww. like well technically the woman who just died before Thor came back was kind of more stronger. Wait who are you talking about? Uh, I'm talking about the woman uh, who, Jane Foster? Yes. Yeah. Sure I guess so. Well I think she she has a different power to her than Thor. Yeah. Um, well then Thor Thor I don't know whatever you call him <laughs> uh, Jane Foster is fantastic and I love that story and there's a big big thing that happens to her in this issue that brings her right back into the middle of the War of Realms which is very exciting yes uh, yeah I like that conversation I liked it what was, his mom it was, was amazing I wish my mom would say nice things oh, about I me. know right I wish I could fly through space with my mom and have like a touching conversation. Hey, mom, if you're listening to this, we want to fly through space with you. Pete and I have the same mom. (laughs) Uh, But also like, you know, this is something that his dad talks about in uh, Thor Ragnarok where he's like, I'm sorry, are you the god of hammers? No, you're the god of thunder. So like get over your goddamn hammer. And the crazy thing is he's not even the god of thunder. He's the god of lightning. 
So there's like several things he's not. <laughs> anyway, great comic. Definitely pick that up. If you'd like to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by. We'll chat with you about comics. Pete, what else do you want to plug? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at comic book live. Check out the website comic book club live.com for this podcast and many more. And we'll see you at the comic book shop. Mimi. Me, me.